Hello, this is Anne, the Multimedia Director of Kearney First United Methodist Church, and you're listening to our Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this sermon. Thank you for turning in. Let us pray. God, you speak to us as we read Scripture. Send your Holy Spirit to open our ears, hearts, and minds so we may hear your message for us today. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money in the deposit with the bankers so that I returned, I could have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless serpent outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Nate. So we have a different sort of thing today. This is a, a transitional week between uh, where we've been and our journey of who are we as Carney uh, First United Methodist Church uh, to this next this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday and the beginning of the season of Lent. We'll begin with worship uh, at 6.30 p.m. Uh, here on Wednesday. And then Lent will uh, go through uh, a journey of what does it mean to pray, or how do we pray? If you'd like to, to do some scripture reading during Lent, I invite and challenge you to read the Gospel of Luke uh, in Lent, and uh, our readings for Sundays will be drawn from Luke. Uh, then there are also a couple of different groups that Sung Lee and I are leading that are different uh, to explore prayer in some different ways. 
So this is a transition week, uh, seeking to hold together and build forward. Uh, and it came to be that it's also a different sort of preaching week because I was sitting in some meetings and some conversations, and this passage came up, and then Gene Tillotson uh, started having ideas about it and wanted to talk to me about those ideas. And I said, well, Gene, I really like these ideas. I like what God's doing in your heart and life. So uh, why don't you come and share uh, with the congregation about these uh, and we can do some dialogue, so to speak. So today, at least, he'll start, and I'll finish. But this is Gene Tillotson, uh, and he'll tell you more about himself. But let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe in us. Breathe in Gene. Breathe in us gathered. Uh, breathe in me that as we ponder together Jesus' parable and the life of his witness, that we may be drawn closer to you and transformed by your grace. Through Jesus we pray, amen. Thanks, Gene. Yeah, if you didn't pick up on what he just said, if you don't wanna be up here, don't share your thoughts with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you all hear that? So anyway, I'm gonna tell a first part of this story and then I'm gonna come back at the end so you have to stay awake for the first part. When I was in grade school, how many people was in a very small school? I know some people back there. So we had to leave the building to go to another building for choir all the way through grade school. Then seventh and eighth grade came. It wasn't just a smaller group. It was seventh and eighth grade together. I could blend in. So when they did choir, I sat back there and I knew the words, but I didn't sing a single note, okay? Then anybody had the little recorder? Anybody remember that? I didn't play a single note. I got A's. So I'm going to bring that talent of singing and playing recorder up later in the story. So the parable of the talents talks about gold and rewarding people for gold. I always had a problem with this one because there's two other passages that seem to conflict in my mind. And in which, in the church, if you've been here, about every three years, they repeat. So I did the math a little bit. I wasn't quite sure on my math earlier in the first congregation. About 18.3 times I've heard this. And to me, it was conflicting between this one. It seemed to say to me, go out and make a ton of money. But in other ones, the widow, right? Sweeping to find the coin that gave all, Right? Conflicting, and to give on to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Those three passages seem to conflict in my mind. So, in which I shared my ideas with Matt. He says, hmm, can't find anything biblically wrong with that. In which I'm going to get to my thoughts just a little bit. So, in which we, I just came back from a conference in which AI was big in that. Anybody know what AI is? Raise your hand. Wow. Who doesn't? Who doesn't know what AI is? Come on, raise your hand if you don't know it. AI is artificial intelligence. Catch everybody up. In which we're in what they call the fourth industrial revolution, AI. It is predicted to take the last three and be more impactful on your lives on this industrial revolution. And you're already in it. But the last about 18 months, it's been easy. If you ever pick an Uber or a Lyft or order anything online, airlines, they all Google, they all use AI. 
So in which I did some fact checking. And what AI is, artificial intelligence, it knows everything that's happened to Earth. If you ever went back to the beginning of AI, the best chess player in the world got beat by Watson. How many people's old remember that? Yeah. So in which AI knows everything, so it's supposed to know what it is. So I fact checked it. I put Matthew 14 through 25 in AI, and it came up with this as what it said the meaning was. Sorry, I'm old. The meaning of the parable can be interpreted in several ways. The most common understanding is it emphasizes the importance of using one's abilities and resources wisely and being faithful and diligent in serving and obeying God. It teaches lessons about stewardship accountability, and resources, and faithful servants. It also warns against complacency, fear, and neglecting to invest in the gifts and opportunity given to us by God. Overall, the parable of talents offers valuable lessons about stewardship, resourcefulness, accountability, and the importance of using gifts, opportunities to make positive impact on the world. Did it say anything about money? So this is what I shared with, with Matt. I says, I don't think that parable has anything to do with Matt. Matter of fact, if you've been here a few Sundays or a few years and follow, we end up talking about Jesus born, right, around Christmas time. We talk about his death, his resurrection, and potentially coming back at some time. This parable of talents really is that. It's about the master leaving and coming back, and what have you done with your talents while he's gone? That's really what it's all about. It's about you investing your best in here. I'm going to add a little bit to my sermon. So a book I was listening to on the plane coming back, because I was just in Vegas. Yeah, I didn't stay for the game, Mike. Too expensive, right? You, You just pointed that out, way too expensive. So in which that book talks about you're either in the gain or you're in the gap. So think about your life. You're going through it. I'm about 60. And so I've been gaining knowledge and doing stuff. So think about this in your talents. So either most people are happy, it says in America, or they're unhappy. If you're happy, you're in the gain where you've gained. If you're unhappy, you're probably in the gap. Right? So everybody has something they're heading towards, an ideological where you're heading towards. And so it's like the horizon. If you start walking towards the horizon, you never get there. But if you look how far you came, you came a long way. So think about your talents. Everybody, I don't have the talent to sing, right? Here's where the funny part. A couple of Sundays goes, Mike was up there, right? You remember this Sunday when he's trying to get everybody to clap? You remember that Sunday? I was sitting there doing what I do. <laughs> Here comes Matt walking over to me, and he goes, you don't even clap? And I, so I told him the story real quickly about what I just told you at the beginning. I have no talent for that. I have a t- other talents, and there's a homework for you. Write down the six working geniuses. I'll give you three of them and how it works in my life, and this is where Tammy can attest at this. I don't have the genius of what's called wonder. 
So it happens in my business quite normally. Something breaks, and I don't have to wonder if it's wrong. So then I start inventing how to fix it. Then I decide if I, what I invented is correct. And then I give the business plan to everybody else and says, go make it happen. And they get frustrated with me because I don't help make it happen. But that's not my talent. I don't have the talent to sing. I don't have the talent to play an instrument, but I have other talents. So every one of you have talents that fits into those six working geniuses. The three I didn't give you, you got to look up. In which I do not have those talents, and one of them usually is tenacity, finishing. I don't have that talent either, right? So in which it doesn't mean if we all showed up here and gave money, right, and we didn't help with Sunday school, we didn't help prepare you know, Wednesday night meal. We didn't do those things. We didn't go up here and play. We didn't do those things. Would this be a good church to come to? I need an answer. No. So it takes all sorts of kind of talents to make it. If I read one time, if we all were the same, it would be a boring world, right? So in which I view money, talents is this. We are giving something to cherish, right? It might be money, it might be singing, it might be helping other people out, it might be meeting at the door, it could be a lot of things. But whatever you're giving that talent, what are you doing with it? Are you taking it from five bags to ten, two, or are you hiding it and not sharing it? That to me is really what this is about in here. And so if we apply our talents Maybe by three years from now or next year, we could have more people out here, right? It is about taking our talents and doing what God wants us to do with them. Thanks, Gene. So one of the fun things about this is when uh, he changes his talk from the first service to the second service. Uh, But uh, I guess it seemed like Mike was goading me to uh, put this on. I hope it's like an extra. There we go. Better be that size. <laughs> I I haven't worn I haven't worn a football jersey since I was 18, uh, and I suppose that there's uh, something to be said for this jersey as opposed to that jersey as opposed to that jersey, uh, and it doesn't work well with uh, the sense of teams. Uh, when you have a jersey you want on, on the sporting field, you want everybody to match up and, so that you know who, who's us and who's them. Uh, but here, at least, we have like all different ages and ranges. You gave me the old one, uh, and I don't know whose number this is, uh, but it might work to think about church as a community of folks that happen to have some unifying characteristics. They're all apparently like the white, yellow, white, red thing, but they're also distinct and different, maybe even different ages. 
But when we think about being church together, we've uh, settled that we are a people who are seeking to love God, love uh, our neighbor, and grow as disciples of Jesus who help other people grow as disciples of Jesus. And how do we do that but by being a people shaped by our practices through which the Holy Spirit works, that we seek to listen to God, talk to God, partner with God in acts of kindness, grow uh, generous hearts like God who gives the fullness of God's self and live as Christ's witnesses. But we're not all wearing the same jersey, which means I think that we can't all be exactly and precisely the same. We can't be cookie cutters in church. We're not seeking to be a church in which everyone thinks or acts or does or believes exactly the same way, but instead that we recognize the different gifts that God has given us, the different experiences through which, and lenses through which we see and experience faith. And in these things, we come together with marks that unify us. It's that identity and the practices we talked about and a sense of values so we've talked, uh, and you should have an engage, uh, a big sheet that covers all the values, which I held off on giving to you until today because I wanted to get through as a discovery season for the last four weeks. But now uh, you have these to take and ponder that we are a people marked by holiness, by caring, by graciousness, and by equipping because we see God doing that in our lives. Now, as we think then about how this relates to Gene, it should be fairly clear. The parable of the talents says there are things that are important. Uh, and uh, at the very end, he ignored this part, which I would have too. Uh, but Jesus makes it sound like uh, at the end of this parable story, uh, you do well, you double your money, which apparently is pretty hard usually to think about, then uh, that's great, and Jesus is happy, the master is happy, it, but just take care of it well and don't grow it, and suddenly, which seemed like a faithful thing, suddenly the response is, oh, you lazy, not good for nothing, go out to a place of awfulness. And we hear that and we think, oh, so this Christian life is about how much we do. But I think instead what Jesus is doing is what every first century rabbi would have done, and every teacher of middle school or high school would have done sometimes use exaggeration and hyperbole to try and say, hey, disciples, this is really important. And it's not the matter of making money, as Gene said, but instead of living in such a way that we are oriented toward love of God and receiving that God loves us. This is the important thing. So perhaps we can ponder that and hold together these images with the poem by Mary Oliver, Oliver called uh, The Summer Day. Who made the world? Our answer would be God who created all things, uh, those seen and those unseen. Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know 
exactly what prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass and how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild, precious life? I think Jesus tells this parable as a way of asking Mary Oliver's question. Tells this parable as in the context of being pre- preparing the disciples to uh, be without him, which is our lives in a certain way. We don't get Jesus walking physically with us. He tells them, trying to ask them, what are you planning to do with your one wild and precious life? And his invitation and desired response is, we will give it to you. We will partner with you in helping others to know this good news. And so Jesus does then reap what he doesn't sow, but what we sow with our one wild and precious life. And then it's as though when Jean says, well, yeah, I'll I'll talk, uh, it's a way of him answering Jesus, who says, what will you do with your one wild and precious life? Well, I'll seek to share what I've known. He leads in a number of ministries in the, con- in the church, administrative and with children's ministries, and he seeks to do this, uh, he, not to make him uncomfortable, but because he's been given some gifts that are useful, and he's seeking to say, yes, I'll use my wild and precious life for you. We see this in each of you in different ways. In the car mechanic that's faithfully working and trustworthy uh, and known for being trustworthy and caring for others, the one who will show up and help you on one of your worst rock bottom days, that serves in ministry quietly and without fanfare. We see this in the parent or the grandparent who does the afternoon taxi driving of kids from this activity to that activity to this activity while still seeking to form and foster loving relationships with kids and friends and partners and happens to lead games or bring snacks or uh, do uh, help with the Valentine's dinner. We see ways in which we each can answer to Jesus, what are you doing with your one wild and precious life? I'm seeking to give it to you, Jesus. And so we don't want us to be as church, all folks wearing one single jersey that's identical. And we, uh, that makes us unique. We don't think that what it means to be church is that we are identical, but instead that we have the same heart seeking to respond to Jesus who asked, what will we each do with our one wild and precious life? And our response is, we want to give it to you, and we want to do it together.
May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have found the topics mentioned today to be thought-provoking and meaningful. For more information about our church, ministries, and upcoming events, check out our website at carneyfirstumc.org. If you'd like to join us on Sunday in person or on live stream, our traditional services are at 8.15 and 11 a.m. and our modern service is at 9.30 a.m. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, go in peace and may God bless you.